You are now listening to the Instinct Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah McDonald. I put myself in the shoes of amateur athletes and interview Olympic, professional, and high-performance athletes and coaches. My goal is to show you how to crack the code and push the limits of elite sports performance. I'm a kinesiologist, a sports performance specialist, and I show you the tools, systems, and strategies it takes to play and perform at an elite level in sports and life. Grab your popcorn, get locked in, because this is the Instinct Performance Podcast, baby. Let's go! I'm extremely excited and grateful to welcome Eric Owens and Lachlan Fontaine to the podcast. Eric Owens spent over 12 years playing professional baseball, which included nine years in the big leagues. He played for the Cincinnati Reds, the Milwaukee Brewers, the San Diego Padres, the Miami Marlins, and the Los Angeles Angels. And what I didn't mention was that he went to a Division III school in Virginia. He has also played with Hall of Famers such as Tony Gwynn and was the first ever career recorded hit at Safeco Field, home of the Seattle Mariners. He was a big league hitting coach for the Toronto Blue Jays in their historic playoff run in 2015. He has coached hands-on with Troy Tulowitzki, Josh Donaldson, Jose Reyes, Jose Bautista, Edwin Encarnacion, Cody Bellinger, Corey Seager, and that's just to name a few. We're extremely excited to pick his brain and help you listeners learn. We also brought on Lachlan Fontaine. We got a round table going here. Uh, Lachlan Fontaine was a former member of the Canadian Junior National Team. He was drafted by the Seattle Mariners out of high school and has, had, and has played seven professional baseball seasons. After a back injury and surgery, he transitioned from a, a position player to a pitcher and was able to throw 98-mile-an-hour fastballs from the right side. Nothing but fireballs coming out of that arm. So myself and Logan Wedgwood, who is the owner of the Battery Podcast, we're going to set up a roundtable here with these guys, pick their brains uh, with the goal of helping you listeners. So I hope you enjoy this. Let's get into it. Bear with me on the sound quality for the next like 30 seconds. All right, we are live. Uh, we got Lachlan Fontaine, Eric Owens in the house. Uh, me and Logan Wedgwood are co-hosting this beast. Uh, we're here in beautiful Oliver, British Columbia. Uh, we're coaching at a high-performance baseball camp by the name of Big League Experience, uh, an elite baseball camp for players in North America who want to get uh, exposure to scouting and to college ball uh, and who are looking to take the next step in their career. Uh, we're extremely excited to welcome these guys uh, and live this big league experience. I've been here, knows exactly what that means. It knows exactly what that entails. Hey, so uh, what that entails is, uh, actually me and Lachlan sleep beside each other on a six foot cot. Uh, I got a foamy on there, a blanket that I haven't washed in about four weeks. 
Uh, actually, I got into my bed last night, a couple flies flying on me. Oh, yeah. Just to give you guys a little bit of insight, we are living the big league experience here. <laughs> I think I've had uh, hash browns, bacon, and eggs for 19 days straight. Yeah. But who's counting? I'm not <laughs> counting. I'm not counting. I went the you had the porch Yeah, for, for me over in the, our battery our battery uh, land, and for you over in the instinct performance land. Uh, you know we got the endless reach. We got to give we got to give some back, right? So sure but love. let's move into it, man. We got two very important people here. Uh, Lachlan one. <laughs> no, Lachlan, you're important. We'll save. We'll save. No offense. No offense. We'll save the best for last in the intro here. So, Lachlan, why don't you why don't you go ahead and let us know what uh, what your career has looked like and, and where you came from and and how high up you got and where you're at now. All right. Um, my name is Lachlan Fontaine. I'm from North Vancouver, British Columbia. Um, I started out playing for the North Shore Twins in the BC PBL. Um, and in grade 12, I got drafted by the Seattle Mariners in the 13th round as the third baseman, or corner infielder, I guess. Uh, I spent three and a half so years in rookie ball and never left Arizona, so that's the farthest I got with them. And then once I got released, I went to the Can-Am League with the Quebec Capitals, um, where I played as a uh, utility player for four years. <clears throat> so I played every position on the infield, left field, right field, and I pitched. And I almost got to catch one time, but that wouldn't have been very pretty. Um, and then this past year, I was playing in the American Association with the Houston Apollos as a relief pitcher. Um, relief yeah. pitcher. Yeah. So <laughs> I want to quickly, quickly touch you. We can't just skate by that. You're a position guy your whole life, and then all of a sudden, relief pitcher. Yeah. How's that happen? Um, I had a... Well, number one in the Can-Am League, it's a pretty good league. So I came in as a 20-year-old, um, didn't crack the lineup every night as a third baseman just because there's a lot of guys in front of you and a lot of these guys have a lot of time in double-A, triple-A. <clears throat> Always had a good arm, so I became the mop-up guy in the bullpen. So if we were up 10, down 10, they'd throw me on the mound and... I just progressively got better, and at a certain point, I decided to switch it over to the bullpen. I also had a pretty bad back injury in 2016, and then I had surgery on it in 2017, and <clears throat> the body didn't quite move the same hitting-wise, so I felt it was time to try something new. 98 from the right side. Touch. Touch 98 <laughs> two <laughs> times. We got, we got to show that. I touched what was the What was the <laughs> quote? Once is... Once is locked, two is... Hey, that's that thing's set in stone. You start bragging about that. Yeah. You see the ladies, hey, ninety-eight in this arm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And our 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 marquee guest here, we got uh, Eric Owens. Eric Owens. I need I, I need just the full story, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm Eric Owens. Uh, I'm I'm an American. Uh, being here in Canada, I do have my permanent residence, so I can't say I'm I'm a Cana a Canadian. Well, um, and uh, I use the word A a lot now. Uh, I didn't really realize that until I got here um, in Canada. Uh, I grew up in Virginia. Um, I went to Tustle High School. Uh, never hit a home run in high school. Uh, but I did leave the state of Virginia and hitting for about 20 years until uh, Justin Upton came along and uh, he beat my uh, career batting average for the state of Virginia. Uh, and then I went to Farron College, and which was a, actually I went to JUCO first uh, to begin with. I had some scouts thinking that I could get drafted. Um, I was pretty fast in, in high school. Um, I was an All-American high school quarterback. Uh, I really wanted to go play football. Uh, baseball was actually my least favorite sport of all of them. I played football, basketball, and baseball, and 
uh, back in those days, you played all three, and, and you played with your buddies. So whatever they did, you did, and um, it was seasonal. Um, but times have changed now, and I went to JUCO for baseball, and, and, and after the fall season, the coach told me I, couldn't, I wasn't going to be able to play for him. He had another guy coming in to play shortstop. So I decided that uh, it was time for me to, I wanted to play football, I missed football. And so I went to a division three college, Farron College in, near Roanoke, Virginia, in the Blue Ridge Mountains, beautiful place. Uh, had 1200 students there, but it was more of a, um, um, a sports oriented type of college. I mean, the girls basketball team was good. Um, pretty much anybody that went to that college was pretty much three quarters of them were playing sports. Um, and uh, so I went there and uh, I, Went in and started off at second base uh, in college because um, the shortstop was a junior. And then I uh, I moved him out of the way. He moved to third base about halfway through the season. Then I went over to shortstop. Uh, then I played football for two and a half years there. And um, my roommate was Billy Wagner, um, the lefty reliever from uh, closer, I should say, for the Houston Astros and Mets and the yeah. Phillies. And well, should be a Hall of Famer. Yes, he should be a Hall of Famer, no doubt about it. I'm glad you said that. Um, yeah. I can't believe he's being overlooked uh, with that. Um, that being said, the Canadian, I think Larry Walker should be in the Hall of Fame also. But uh, well, for some did. reason, that's I really do. I mean, he was the best player that I ever played against. And uh, so I went uh, played college ball uh, through my junior year, and I got drafted by the Cincinnati Reds in the fourth round. Uh, that was in 1992, and I went to Billings, Montana, and that was eye-opening um, to go from Billings, Montana, um, and you go four hours, you don't see anything but cows and horses until you get to Great Falls, Montana. And uh, so I, I played my first year in Billings, Montana, and then my second year I, I went to high A ball, and uh, we won the championship. Actually, we won the championship in Billings, and then we won the championship in high A ball and went to Salem the next year uh, in 1993. And then 1994, I caught up to a pretty good ball player, uh, uh, Pokey Reese, um, oh, yeah. played shortstop with the Reds. Yeah, he, and he went through, he went through the um, Red Sox and all those guys too, so I caught up with him, and um, and they moved me to second base, uh, which I was probably the best because they were having glove night for me uh, from shortstop uh, for the fans over the over the first baseman because I, I threw more balls to the fans than I did to the first baseman. Mm -hmm. um, so they decided to move me to second base, <laughs> and then, uh, and then uh, so that was in double A, and um, uh, I struggled a little bit in double A. I hit okay. I hit like 255, 260, but I led the league in stolen bases, and um, so then I went to Arizona Fall League, and I had a really good Arizona Fall League uh, that year. And uh, I went to AAA in 1995, and that was probably that was a strike-shortened um, year. Well, after the strike of '94, so we didn't have a lot of spring training. I think I was in spring training for like four or five days, and uh, then they shipped us out to uh, where we're going. And so I went to AAA, and, and it was the best year of my career in the minor leagues. Um, I ended up winning the MVP. And, and all of the American Association that year. I got caught up to the big leagues. Uh, my first big league at bat, I got a game-winning hit, which was uh, pretty cool in Cincinnati off Dan Maselli. Um, and uh, then I got sent back down and, and up and down. I was an up and down yo-yo for a couple of years. Um, couldn't figure it out in the big leagues how to hit, really. And I go down to AAA and I hit 350, go up to the big leagues and hit 050. And um, so then I, they suggested me to go to winter ball, play uh, six years in Venezuela. <clears throat> And I won the batting championship in Venezuela, uh, down there uh, for Caracas, and I uh, started figuring out how to hit. And then around 1997-ish, uh, it took me a couple years, in 97 I stuck. I finally started to stick in the big leagues. 
and I started moving around. Um, to be honest with you, I feel like I was a, probably a fourth outfielder or utility type player for a, a championship team. And uh, I was an everyday player for um, just a, the second tier type of teams in, in the major leagues. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I, uh, I guess my claim to fame is in San Diego. Uh, I had a straight steal at home one night off of Brett Tomko, um, a former teammate of mine. He was pitching out of the lineup. And, I, I told the third base coach, Tim Flannery, I said, I think I can make this thing. And we weren't winning very much at that point in time. Anyway, he said, I'll just go ahead and do it in. We, we don't care anyway. <laughs> so, so I went and I stole home. And it was like, you know, from that day on, just the confidence kept growing. And I uh, played nine years in the big leagues. And then uh, my, I ended up with Detroit in, in 2004. And I started losing speed and stuff like that. And so um, I, uh, I took a year off. Um, after Detroit and uh, Joe Madden called and asked me would I like to get into coaching and and from there I, you know, I just started moving up the coaching ladder and um, and really enjoying it uh, so I coached for around 12 years or so and uh, what brought me to Canada was uh, I, I was a coach with the Angels to start with uh, for five years and then I went over to the Dodgers as their minor league hitting coordinator for four, four to five years and then the Blue Jays called and asked permission um, to talk to me uh, to be their first assistant hitting coach ever. And uh, I guess I'll be the only one as long as this regime is there um, right now. So I went to the Blue Jays in 2015. We made the postseason that year, uh, played Kansas City. And then in 16, we made the postseason again. And uh, the new regime came in and decided that they, they would rather do the high performance type of stuff opposed to having two hitting coaches, which I totally understand. And so I. Uh, had a chance to go back and coach several different places, but uh, you know the, the travel started to wear on me, and I was I was ready to settle down a little bit more than than moving uh, living in hotel rooms uh, for 20 years. It gets yeah. old in a, in a hurry, um, and so uh, now I'm um, I was in Whitby, um, Ontario, doing uh, baseball lessons with the kids in Whitby, and uh, and having a mentorship program in Whitby with uh, like the top tier type of kids who, who were really invested into baseball and their parents were invested and they want to try to get through the states or, or anywhere else to, to play baseball and uh, I did that and then um, I decided that uh, well my wife now and and her ex decided that uh, he wanted to move uh, to Kelowna and and uh, I was like where's Kelowna and uh, so I looked up Kelowna and I came out and visited Kelowna and it was so beautiful there uh, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm ready to 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 do a little bit uh, less, but uh, still be involved with kids and camps and things like that. And uh, here I am today. Oh yeah, that's incredible. I, I you you glanced through nine years. Nine years. <laughs> nine years. Did, in the did show. you hear? Do you think they heard the part where we said I went from Division three to nine years in the show? Like, no kidding. That, that's As like a two sport athlete. Two sport athlete. You should glance over that. That's, Jesus, that's incredible. That's, uh, that's a long run. That's quite a story. Yeah. Wow. Um, so 2015 and 2016 Blue Jays as Canadians. Uh, I, I'm not even a Blue Jays fan, but I what? went to I went to the bar to watch those games, and when uh, when Bautista hit the bomb in 15, and then Edwin hit the bomb in 16, like I became a Blue Jays fan for right. like, for about 45 seconds. <laughs> that, uh, that that is my my most favorite two years, uh, whether it was playing or uh, coaching. I, I really enjoy coaching. Um, I mean, it is, it is a pleasure to see kids make it to the big leagues uh, as a coach because you feel like you had a little bit of part of, hopefully you had a part of, of, of them getting there. And we always said that uh, it's not just me helping Corey Seager or somebody get to the big leagues. It's a community of coaches helps uh, these kids get there. And um, 
Um, but 15 and 16 were my two favorite years, especially at the trade deadline. I never forget Alice Anthropolis. We're in Chicago, and he brings all the coaches, and he goes, okay, we got $2 million to spend. We're sitting there going, what can you get for $2 million in the big leagues? There's nothing you can get. Um, and then um, so he started moving some money around. He traded uh, Jose Reyes, and we got Troy Tulewiski, and then the big David Price uh, trade happened, and, and we got uh, – even even the unsung hero Troy uh, Troy Hawkins and and those guys re- really helped that clubhouse out and um, what a joy it was and, and just a, a unbelievable ride um, to to be able to be a part of people don't realize in the states how how the Blue Jays is uh, you got a whole country behind you uh, opposed to Chicago has the Cubs and then Chicago right and then Philadelphia has the Phillies and Atlanta has Atlanta. Um, but it's unbelievable to see how much a country got behind uh, that team um, uh, for those two years I was with them. It's mm-hmm. unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to think about, you, you mentioned that when you first got up to the show, how difficult it was and how hard it was for you to, like you could rake in AAA and then you get up to the show and it's like an invisible barrier where now it's like I can't hit. And when you went from amateur to pro ball, like, Kind of go starting with you, and then we can kind of jump to your experience at the AAA to, to MLB. But like when you first got to pro ball, what was different? Like what what was the would you say now with reflection was the the leading cause of struggle? Just the speed of the game. I think. I mean, going from whatever it is seventy five to we'll say eighty five miles an hour in the BCPBL to ninety five plus every night. Um, everything speeds up though. The pace of the ground balls, the guys running the velocity of the pitches, the depth of the curveball, everything speeds up. Um, and if you don't know how to slow the game down, it can get on you pretty quick and everything kind of snowballs from there if you can't slow it down. I think that was the biggest thing is just the, the speed of everything. So when having a nine-year career, how did, did you learn how to slow it down? I, that's, I did. And I, he uh, likely hit it right on the head, the nail on the head. And I really think playing in Venezuela where the crowds are just, I mean, they're crazy. It's like a, a soccer game that you see um, going on uh, in, overseas and things like that. So um, when I played for Caracas, they were known as the Yankees of Venezuela. So uh, if you didn't produce, you were gone, right? I mean, they, were, they gave you two weeks to do something, and if you didn't do it, um, uh, they, they would send you home and bring somebody else in. And uh, the, the biggest thing was I, I just couldn't, uh, I just didn't feel confident. I felt like, you know, you got a lot of veteran guys, the guys who, who's, got, who's earned their stripes and stuff like that. And I was the only rookie on a team with uh, Hal Morris, Deion Sanders. You know, Deion back then was playing football and baseball and uh, Barry Larkin and Brett Boone and John Smiley and Joe Oliver and all the, uh, Chris Sabo. And uh, here I am, you know, trying to trying to fit in, and, and it's tough to to try to fit in that that category of mental. How do you get over that mental barrier? And and that's the biggest thing. And even in coaching, uh, you know, guys' performances dictates whether they move or not, but also it also dictates uh, how they handle it mentally. Can they handle failure at the next level? Because if you send them up. Uh, to a different level and, and they can't handle the failure part of it, then you, you could ruin a kid's career. And uh, a lot of kids, you know, they'll hit 300 and they'll say, why aren't, why aren't I moving up? And it's kind of hard to tell them, well, we don't think you're mentally ready. Um, but, but so that's that was the same way with me is uh, I could do it in AAA. I, I think I started and led off for the National League in three uh, all-star games. Uh, and I was actually, um, I'm proud to say I was in the home run derby, my first AAA uh, all-star game. I don't know how I got it. 
got there. I think yeah. I had 12 home runs at the All Star break or something like that. But um, yeah, it's just the speed of the game. You got to be able to slow the game down in, in your brain and understand that these guys are human beings too. Um, but the biggest part is getting the, the chance, right? Uh, I felt like when I was in Cincinnati coming up here, I had the four at bat tryout. It was like, yeah, you got four at bats. If you went 0 for 4, it's like, uh oh, you're always looking behind your shoulder, see if they're going to call you in the office to send you back down to AAA. Uh, where I knew I wasn't going to double A, so it was it was that it was that uh, feeling at home type of feeling, and and then when I got uh, with the Padres and Bruce Bochy, I got a, I pretty much give that man all the credit in the world. Um, I went into spring training. Garth Brooks was my locker mate. Uh, I was just a, a six-year free agent, and it was me and Garth Brooks in the bullpen catcher. Um, I'm like, man, there's no way I'm gonna make this team, and I end up hitting like 590 in spring training and just killed it, and. Um, and they started moving me around a lot more, opposed to Cincinnati, pretty much stuck me in the outfield once I got to the big leagues. I'd go down AAA and play the infield. Um, but uh, Boach just let me play every day. He said, I'm gonna let you play, you help us win. And uh, I, I, every day I was in the lineup, I'd play left, and then I'd play center, and then I'd play right when Tony Gwynn got hurt. Um, and then uh, I'd play some second base, I'd, I'd play third base, I played first base, I played short stuff for a couple of innings. But it was just a matter of getting comfortable and. Um, and, and, and feeling like uh, uh, managers and, and coaches have your back opposed to trying to, you know, feel. And they weren't. I said, I'm not getting anything on Cincinnati's uh, standpoint of it. But you, when, when you feel comfortable with a manager or somebody and you click with them, it's much easier to play the game. Yeah. You click, right? Yeah. Some, I see it all the time where one coach will, like, say something and then another coach will say the exact same thing but in a different way. And all of a sudden the kid is like, oh, yeah, 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 that makes a lot of sense. Just like Eric was saying, uh, when you have that confidence that you're playing every day, I think it helps your performance a little bit and that you can kind of relax and you know that the manager has your back and you're, you're going to be in there every night. So it kind of takes that load off your back a little bit. When you're trying to like struggle to break the lineup every night, it puts a little bit more pressure on you. And like you said, you're always looking behind your back if they're going to call you in the office and release you or you're sitting the next five games. So I think that having that confidence that you're playing every night helps a lot as well. I mean, as a, as a lower minor league guy, like you must have been constantly worried about your job. Yeah, I think at any level, at any professional level really, I mean, even in independent ball, you're always, anyone can be released at any time, right? Even if you're, it's not a baseball thing, if you do something off the field, you could be released at any time. So, but yeah, definitely in the, in the Mariners organization, I mean, any organization, you're always, there's guys ahead of you and you, there's guys below you trying to take your job. So you're always on the chopping block, really. For sure. <clears throat> and let's, let's take a left turn. So we're, we're in Oliver with about a hundred baseball athletes. Uh, and Eric was uh, very nice enough to give us a sweet hitting talk a couple days back. And something that I really resonated with was, Hey, this, this isn't about me. This is about you guys. What's your hitting philosophy? And me as a coach, I'm gonna help you. And I've, I've heard so many stories that, hey, I gotta fit the mold of this hitting coach or this pitching coach. And I've heard so many careers uh, being ended or being frustrated. Uh, and I, I'd, I'd just like to know how, number one, can these athletes figure out what's my philosophy? 
Uh, and then just, just some tips from Eric Owens, and we'll, we'll pick your brain as we go through this question. Well, I, I really appreciate Marty Lang bringing me, uh, allowing me to come over here for uh, a few days. And uh, I would have been sleeping in the cots too if I would probably been in and, um, uh, Kelowna earlier so I could uh, do the whole week. Um, obviously, I'm moving. Uh, I'm still in the process of moving, so I couldn't give him a, a full week. Uh, but I'd love to be back next year because uh, it's a great group of guys here. And, and yeah, I mean, the, the, as far as um, hitting philosophies and stuff, it's, it's you gotta be true to yourself. Um, I mean, even when I played, and and Lachlan's a, a, a big big guy himself. But when I played, I, I played it. I was six foot, two hundred five pounds, and uh, all my hitting coaches always wanted. They thought I had more power, and I, my swing just didn't work that way. It was more of a, a gap to gap type thing. Get on base, uh, steal some bases, score runs, and, and do the little things. I could bunt, push by. I love push bunting. Uh, towards your first baseman, and and these kids need to know, um, you know, if you're if you're if you're five foot five and you're 140 pounds, I mean, you, I mean, there's very few uh, Jose Altuve's out there that can, that can generate power uh, like he can. And you got to be true to yourself. And um, and philosophies, um, I learned this throughout uh, my my coaching career is I, I can have philosophies for for a whole entire organization. Um, as far as uh, how we're going to work our two-strike approach, how we're going to we're going to work. Everybody says the same, right? They say well, we're going to work gap to gap. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. But um, I, I found out that if, if I have a philosophy for you as an individual, it makes your philosophy work much better than if I have they got a power here sitting over here, a Mark Trumbo um, versus a D Gordon. D Gordon, we're not going to make D Gordon uh, for the Dodgers hit like Mark Trumbo. That would never work. So you can't really have a philosophy. You can have a, a core philosophy, but it's not. It's, it's each individual uh, kid, right? I mean, if I'm sitting there trying to get a, a guy who's 6'4 and 225 pounds trying to uh, push bunt, uh, that makes no sense in the world, right? So that's not a philosophy. That's, that's trying to, um, you're trying to help these kids succeed. And I think that's the thing, like Bruce Boch, I brought up Mike Sosha um, was another manager of mine, and they put you in situations to help you succeed. Um, I don't think any manager wants you to fail, but you know, I know for one time I got called up to the big leagues and, and I was facing Roger Clemens for my four bat trap. Well, nobody else was hitting Roger Clemens either. So I was like, uh, and this is probably not a pretty good matchup for me to, to, to be able to get through today um, by doing it. So it's, it is about the kids. Um, I, I think uh, my, my whole philosophy really, to be honest with you nowadays is I want these kids to be able to max their, their abilities, whether it's, it's, it's high school, whether it's college, whether it's pro ball, or, or whether it's the big leagues. And if they can do that, it, it's a lot of life um, lessons learned in baseball because it's a game of failure. Uh, and and when, when you're sitting out there and you, you, you're getting three hits out of 10 at bats, you're failing seven times. I mean, you gotta be able to handle that. Uh, or if, even if you're getting four, uh, hit 400, you're still failing. Uh, and so. That's, that's the biggest part of the game is, is, is learning how to deal with failure. And I think that's the same way in life is when, when curveballs hit you in life, you got to be able to pick yourself back up and, and get up and, and, and grind it out again. And uh, I've always been a guy that enjoyed life because uh, I think it's too short. I lost both my parents very early in life. And, uh, and I just promised myself that there wasn't going to be a day that goes by that I wasn't going to try to be positive and, and, and try to help somebody along the way. Yeah, that's that's incredible, and you, you can just tell there's an aura about yourself, and these, these kids love you, and they love your positivity, and they, they wouldn't know any of that stuff. Uh, and it's crazy how the game of baseball can 
bring even just four guys in a conversation together and, yeah. and it's just a it's a big family yeah from completely different places completely yeah. different walks of life like pro guy i was a uh, you know college scrub um so the make or break quality right with a professional athlete yeah. what is what if you guys could like you've seen guys that have probably still playing and had, had a lot of success uh, you've obviously been around guys and, and seen guys who have success in the major league level and guys who don't have success. And as a coach, you see guys who come up and have success and guys who don't have success. Uh, it's obviously not always about the physical, right? Is it like you got player A, player B, they're both physically the same, but one of them hits 300 and one of them can't do anything, right? What's the make or break? Mental. For me, it's completely the mental part of the game. I mean, in my situation especially, I think... I, I still think I have the talent to play in the higher levels of baseball, but I don't think I have it mentally, and that's something that I should have addressed earlier in my career, especially as a 17-year-old. It's, I mean, I was immature. I was just a young kid still. It's not, you're not a 25-year-old man. You're a 17-year-old kid, and I think that's the biggest thing is just being, having that mental toughness um, to get you through 140 games a year. Um, yeah, I just think the mental game separates everyone. At the higher levels of baseball, the the physicality is all the same. It's the guys that are mentally strong that can stay in that even keel. And, um, they, yeah, they don't have the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. They kind of keep that even keel and stay consistent throughout the year. That's what I – that's my – you. I totally, I totally agree. It, it is, and, and especially once you get into coaching, when you're playing, it's all about you, right? I mean, you, you become a little bit selfish, and, and you have to be that way uh, as a player um, to be able to make it. I mean, you have to be. You know, there's a lot of things that you have to uh, sacrifice and things like that. But in, in, especially in coaching, you see guys all the time. You know, this kid. Uh, they, they grade them out and all this cybermetric stuff is out there but uh, like Dusty Baker uh, I read something that he was saying that cybermetrics doesn't uh, doesn't measure the heart and and it's, it's all about how can you can you slow the game down uh, does the game look easy for this guy you know or this other guy he's having to grind this thing out and you know he's grinding it out mentally after games you can walk through a locker room and see him just uh, you can see, you know, it's 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 in his face. I mean, you can see fear in their face. And um, there's some other guys that they handle uh, failure, and they, they know that they're going to be back to where they are. And I think the biggest the biggest thing that I could say for anyone is, uh, it's much easier as a veteran because once you start having a track record, uh, even going to spring training, uh, it's fun to go to spring training and work on things, opposed to going to spring training trying to fight for a job. I mean, because you're sitting there every day and you know you got to get up at six o'clock in the morning. It's long days, uh, but as a player, it's like ah, today I'm gonna work on. I never forget with the Padres after I was I was submitted in, knowing I was on the team, all this stuff. It's like I'm gonna work on two strike first today. So I sit there and take till I had two strikes and try to hit with two strikes um, for two or three games and, and the manager knew it and they were, oh yeah, good, good, let's, let's try to, and then I would, I would uh, even if nobody was on, I would be hitting and running on my own, just nobody was on. I would just try to hit a ground ball to the second baseman and that's, that's, that's the fun part of the game, but very few guys get to get to that point. It's always, and I remember, the, like I said, when I was number 74 in spring training, I'm like, man, God, I, I got to be able to get hits every day. 
And, and so it is the mental aspect of the game. And I think that's where um, a lot of kids get lost. And I think a lot of kids don't understand what it does take and the sacrifices that guys make to get to that point uh, at the big leagues or even even in, in pro ball or even in college. I mean, once you get to college, I mean, everybody's on pretty much even playing field. They're, they're the best of the best that came from their, their city, that they were the best player at their position. And, and you get to college and all of a sudden you got – got the same guy from somewhere else and, and he thinks he deserves to play but it's more about uh, uh, mental mental toughness and being able to, to, to slow the game down with your eyes I think uh, we do all this stuff in training and stuff but guys don't um, uh, I wish we would have had a when I was as, as Lockton said I wish we had more psychologists helping the, the guys with the talent along the way um, they do a little bit now but uh, you need to really have somebody you can talk to Parents, uh, they're great, but you're not going to go to your parents and start talking about your, your fears and stuff like that. Um, and you're not gonna, definitely not going to talk to a coach about it. So I wish that they would have a little bit more of the insight of the mental side of the game, especially for kids. Um, coaching, you get 16-year-old Dominican kids that are coming over here. They're, they're literally babies. And um, they come over here, and they're, they're scared. They don't know the language. They don't know anything like that. So we try to, you try to help them out, but um, you can see the fear in their face and you're trying to talk to them and make them feel comfortable, but it, it's definitely a mental game. I mean, that's exactly what we were talking about yesterday, right? With, uh, with the mental performance coaches that you had when, when you played or the lack thereof. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think, uh, and you had Lewis Floyd on the podcast. He's a Everett Aqua Sox manager with the Mariners organization. They do, I've been, I was talking to him this off season. They're doing a lot of stuff, a lot more stuff with the mental game. Uh, now, which I think is amazing because I think, like I said, at the pro ball level, a lot of those guys have the physical attributes, but the guys that succeed have the mental mental toughness. Yeah, I mean, the teams that I, right now or the, or the organizations right now with the best farm systems are the organizations that are paying attention, I believe, to the most holistic player development programs. Like the Dodgers have the best team on paper and then one of the best farm systems right underneath it. And it's no secret that they have a like a really, really good coaching staff from bottom to top all the way through. Um, it, it, it's a holistic game. It's too much failure, like you're saying. I mean, we've talked about it four times second-handedly about failure, but that's like this entire game. And the only, like the, the answer to being a good baseball player is, is being good at sucking. Yeah, 100%. yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a game of, of being of realizing there's only so much you can control, right? And um, uh, I've always said I, I would think that um, which women may then we may see a woman big league ball player at, at some point in time, but it seems like if we could have a woman's brain uh, put into our body, we would probably be much better off, right? Because they handle. Um, that stuff much better than than the testosterone of, of us guys do, right? We're the we're the jocks and the guys who want to you know rah, 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 they're, they're they're the little puppy dogs that just want to be petted and keep going like that. And, and you know we may see one at some point in time, but I think mentally they would be able to handle it much better than than a guy would. Yeah, I mean I've actually done work with like Team BC women's and stuff like that, and. The energy at the at the at the, the three day camp that I went last summer, the energy at that place Unreal. is so pure, like just raw love of baseball, man. Yeah. It was my favorite weekend last year. Uh, right, even right now, even in Whippy, I mean, I had have some girls come up and, and do lessons and stuff, and uh, obviously there gets to a certain age where you know the boys start taking over when they're going through when they're starting to mature physically. 
um, it becomes a little bit harder for girls. But girls make better adjustments much quicker than a, than a yeah than a than a than a kid. I mean, it's like they're both the same age. If they're 10, 11, 12 years old, the girl's going to make the adjustment much quicker than the boy. Got shit to prove. Yeah, right. 100%. Yeah, and it's crazy how they can do it. I mean, it's just uh, it blows my mind because you're sitting there and you worked with this kid and. And then all of a sudden this girl comes around and you're working with her and this kid's watching behind us, let's see. I mean, she can do it in a matter of uh, 10 minutes and we've been working for 10 hours yeah. trying to get you to do the exact same thing. That's funny because we had, uh, I won't say her name, but we had a girl last year at, or last week at camp. Uh, she ran 60 times, a couple of performance tests, and she whooped these boys. Like she's 13 <laughs> and she's out there with them, picking up, making adjustments really quick, so... Yeah, that's, that's funny to say, and she was a blast to have at camp and a good energy. So, yeah, yeah, let's see a female big leaguer here. I would love it, man. Be yeah, awesome. I would love it. Um, we got about five minutes before we got to wrap up and go hit the field. Do you have any questions that you want to ask? We got to work today? Yeah, we got to work today. Yeah, work today. Yeah, yeah. It's 8.50 in the morning. We got a full day of baseball ahead of us. For sure. Well, first of all, I just want to say I'm so grateful for both of you. Yeah. Uh, I've learned so much just from being around both of you guys and being around you, Logan, and I'm, I'm I'm so thankful we got this podcast in and hopefully listeners got a lot out of this. And I think, I think we should be able to share, you know, where can we find Eric Owens and where can we find Lawson Fontaine yeah, and cool. yeah. how can we support these guys? And Eric's now in Kelowna, uh, right beside me. So yeah, definitely. Gonna buy what, a, what a, what a present to fall in Joel Lamont's hands. Right. He is, is a professional hitting coach. Joel Lamont is <laughs> one of the guys over at the yard house for anybody who doesn't know. Yeah, yeah, you've met him. I'm sure. I, I did meet him. Yeah, I'm right. not sure who's the head guy at Yard House. I think it's Byron Wilson uh, right now. I think he's kind of running it. Uh, I think they've had some changeovers. Um, I, I I have a a, a website eobaseball.com, or and or and my email address is, is pretty easy too. I don't know how I got this one. It's ericowensbaseball at gmail.com. So it doesn't get much easier than that. Um, and like I said, I mean, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm here to, I want to help kids. I want to help coaches. I think, uh, uh, a lot of times we, we miss out on coaching coaches. Uh, not saying that I know everything, but I've had a lot of experience from a lot of different coaches. I'll never get one quick story before we go. Uh, Mike Sosha came up to me one day and he goes, Hey, uh, I'm gonna give you a mental break tomorrow. And I looked at him and said, man, I don't need a mental break. I'm good to go. He goes, no, not you, me. I need a mental break from watching you play. <laughs> <laughs> I said, okay, you got me there. I'll tell you, yeah. I need the day off. But it's, it's, it's all about having fun and, and, and helping coaches uh, along the way. And, and like I said, I, I'll listen to a guy at Tim Hortons, a guy from Hardy's, if he wants to talk uh, baseball. Because if you can just pick up one little thing from somebody each and every time, yeah, you start to make it your own and you start building your own confidence as a coach. And you start, you start becoming um, your own coach. And you can, you can start to, to learn how, how – I always said coaching players is just like uh, as having children, right? Um, some people are younger right now, but you can you can have three children and you and have three children. And all three of them are not totally different to a certain situation. Some of them you got to pat on the back. Some of them you got to you know kick in the romp a little bit to get them going. And and so it's all about uh, coaching personalities. What can you do for this kid if you uh, if you yell at Jose Bautista, he wasn't going to talk to you for a week. Uh, but Troy Tula Whiskey wanted you to yell at him right right when he got back into the dugout. Not yell, but I mean, actually just what happened there, what, what am I doing, and stuff like that. So it, it's all about uh, coaching personalities. And you're an inside performance guy, right? Inside performance, yeah. 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 You want to talk about what you guys do over there? 
Um, yeah, we do everything from pitching, catching, hitting, pretty much anything. I mean, if you want to come in and get a lift in, we have a gym there. Um, I'll be down there all winter. Um, yeah. Yeah, in North Van. North Vancouver, yep. Yeah, that's a uh, Brooks McNiven spot. Brooks McNiven, yeah. yeah. They got all the tech. They got all the science. They got they got a nice facility. It's a nice space. Yeah. Just to touch on what Eric was saying really quick, I think the it's really tough once you get to that next level to get the coaching you need when there's so many guys on the field, right? So for me, once I got to that professional level, the best place to learn or one of the best places to learn is from your teammates because you've had guys there that have been been to that next level and. I mean, you got to pick their brains, right? There's, I don't, I just don't hear enough questions being asked at the younger ages, and I think that's the best way to learn is to ask questions. I was always one of those guys that, if I saw a guy that had been been in the big leagues, I mean, he probably didn't want to talk to me as a 17 year old kid, but I want to, I maybe if I could get out one question, that's that's great. Just one little thing that I could learn from someone who's been there and done that, and I think a lot more kids need to ask more questions. Um, yeah. yeah, and I, I, I learned a, a ton. I had the golden opportunity uh, with the Padres to sit beside Tony Gwynn on the airplane and just exactly pick his brain. Yeah, yeah, it, it yeah. was, I mean, this guy, anybody that's that's into baseball should look at his stats. I mean, it is great. I'll never forget. Should have hit 494. Yeah, and he was he was just unbelievable. A lot of guys were kind of uh, shy to talk to him, but he came up to me, especially in spring training, kind of took me under his wing. And uh, I think Barry Larkin probably talked to him a little bit because Lark uh, was taking me under his wing with Cincinnati. And um, it's amazing how, I'll never forget, we're, we're facing Al Leiter, which ate me up. I think I was three for 30 with two homers and a double off of him. And I could not get him off of me. But I let off a game with a double uh, in San Diego, and Al Leiter struck out Tony Gwynn. And I was like, I mean, that's like the, yeah. the world is ending. Yeah. You know, go for cover now. And so we're sitting in the outfit, and I'm playing catch with him in the outfit in between the innings. And he goes, hey, e, if he throws me a curveball next time, I'm going to take him deep. And I'm sitting there, you know, so the whole inning, I, I, I get rid, I'm going, he did not throw him a curveball that, that at bat. He threw him a couple sinkers in, cutters away, and never a curveball. I was sitting at second base. I saw it. And uh, sure enough, next time he comes up, I'll like to start him off with a curveball. He hits a two-run homer in the right field. I'm sitting there going, you know what? I, that, this, is, this guy is just way too crazy. And just to pick his brain, he's the one that actually got the, the video yeah, stuff yeah. started right. and, um, and breaking it down. And, and he could really – he helped me out so much. Um, I used to try to take sinkers and pull them and – here I am, ground out to short, ground out to short. He goes, no, you got to take a sinker and hit it the other way. And then once I started doing that, I just it just started growing. And that's kind of like Locke said. Is the guys do want to talk to the 17-year-olds. But it's, it's like, oh, you played in the big leagues. Should I talk to you or not? It's, they do want to talk to them. And, and majority of guys in the big leagues are great guys. I mean, 99.9% .9 of them are really good guys. And they want to help guys along the way. And um, it's good, and I agree that baseball is a big time fraternity. It doesn't matter if you play college ball, uh, high school ball. It's the love of the game that people bring people together. Yeah, definitely. I'm happy that we got to say something about Tony Gwynn because we couldn't have sat here and not said anything about Tony Gwynn, you know? And with the video, it's not like it is now. You can't just press play and slow it down and scrub it and go back and forth. No. Like, I, seen, I saw a video of Tony Gwynn looking at his video and stuff. He's got VHS tapes, yes. man. VHS tapes and he's trying to rewind and slow it down. It's like that's a blurry crazy. pixelated image. <laughs> he's like, oh yeah, there's that's what's happening right there. Like, just a genius. That's yeah, he crazy. was. Yeah. 
Well, we're out of time, guys. We got to hit the field. We're gonna. Marty's gonna be choked at us if yeah, we take any more. So. We like Isaiah said. I echo it. I appreciate both of you guys sitting down with us. Awesome. Uh, Thank you for having us. Appreciate yep. it. Anytime. This is a lot of fun. We're gonna have to do a part two, I think, at some point separately or together again. Maybe maybe next year in the arena. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. All right. Are you an athlete unsatisfied with your current results? Or are you an athlete looking to take your playing career to the next level? If so, head over to our website, instinctperformance.ca and fill out the online training application. If you're accepted into our program, you'll go through an extensive biomechanical assessment that looks at all areas of joint mechanics, we dive deep into performance training, we break down your sport, we break down you as an athlete and figure out how we can make you the best possible athlete to stand on the field, court or pitch. If you have any questions, comments or athletes that you want to be discussed on the show in the future, again send us an email, uh, show some love on social media, Instagram and Facebook is ip.performance. As always, enjoy the process of becoming great. Isaiah out. So special.